2: You're very welcome to the show this afternoon, we've lots of chat over the next couple of hours as, as usual, music and more besides and don't forget we have a lovely prize to give away today, 100 euro one for all voucher from Cash and Carry Kitchens, we were over with them yesterday in the beautiful new showrooms in Navin, give them a shout, check them out. 100 euro, one for all voucher to give away today. If you're in already, you're in the mix. But if you haven't told us, who would you invite to dinner in your brand new kitchen? Who would it be? Somebody living anywhere in the world today, a celebrity, a sports star, good friend, maybe a family, relative you haven't seen for years, let us know what you'd rustle up for them and explain why you'd love them to come to dinner. 086-1800-658 by WhatsApp or text and stand by your phone. We'll be calling somebody before the end of the show. But we begin today with a very, very interesting man, I have to say. He runs a high-end watch shop in Belfast and he is the go-to person for Premier League footballers, musicians, some of the biggest YouTubers in the world, when they want to know what they should be wearing on their wrist. Yes, his speciality is luxury and prestige watches. I'm delighted to say hello to Nico Leonard-Vanderhorst. You're welcome to the show, Nico.
3: Jerry, thank you so much for that incredible introduction, mate. Thank you.
2: Not at all. First of all, when I when I read the name Vanderhorst, obviously Dutch, what brings a Dutch man to Belfast?
3: Uh, that's a good question. <laughs> I, I ended up in Belfast at the age of 25, that's about 12 years ago. Yeah, it's, like, I didn't know much about the place, but I just wanted to discover uh, discover uh, uh, a piece of the world I haven't been in. I haven't left since, so um, that's, uh, that's how I ended up here.
2: Good. And the watches. What about the watches? How did you get into being a, a, a go-to person for the mighty and famous and wealthy for watches? <laughs>
3: Uh, the watches started with me at a very young age, with me repairing and fixing watches at a, at a younger age. But but starting a business and selling watches of, of, of the likes of Rolex, Patek Philippe, or even Richard Mille, which is a couple hundred of hundred thousands of pounds, was something that was really, really far away from me. Um, because, you need like it's very cash-heavy. It's very, very
4: mm.
3: uh, expensive, and I don't really come from that background. So um, I just started with fixing watches. and. And, and never really had the idea or the, the the how do you say that the the balls to really make it your work make it my work.
2: <laughs> well, I'll tell you one thing: you've come a yeah. long way, young man. I have to I say, <laughs> because is it true? Did you start actually selling out of the boot of your car? Is that a fact?
3: E- exactly, exactly. Um, I was twenty-nine. I worked. At, I actually I lived in Banbridge, County Down, and I lived in Ker- and I worked in Carrick Mines uh Junction 15 on the m fifty as you may know. Uh, yes. An absolute disaster of a drive. <laughs> yes. Three and a half years <gasps> right I'd done that drive. And uh um I worked for a call center. Um it was for Vodafone at the time and listen I had a brilliant time but I was just so unhappy and I just wanted to do what I loved. And basically that was that was watches. So I got an AIB loan uh, because at the time AIB was giving out loans like it was nobody's business. And uh, <laughs> yeah, uh, got €20,000 and started my business and literally started selling watches out of the boot of my car.
2: And now your uh, business is pride and Pinion, and you have a well-known go-to premises in Belfast where people flock. Yes. Tell me about yes. watches and, and the prestige and the valuable watches. Where do you source them?
3: I sourced them all over the world and and now being uh, the biggest personality in the watch world with with millions of people watching uh my videos online and and stuff that I talk about and 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 editorials i write for 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 magazines and books and stuff like that um, it it's it's becoming easier, but in the beginning i I just hope that that people tried to sell me a watch or even allowed me to sell their watch because in the beginning of of the Doing the business that I do, I, I, I only had 20,000 euros to, to really start off with. So it, like, that's basically one or two watches. Mm. So I, I then ask, can I sell this watch for you? And I'll, I'll take a small commission of maybe 200, 300 euros. Yeah.
2: And and you, during lockdown, made hey, I have to say, because you mentioned millions of followers there. You yes. have millions of followers, Nico. And yes, this happened, incredible. it happened during lockdown, didn't it? Tell us the story of it.
3: Yeah, so um, YouTube, I didn't really believe in YouTube and, and being like on YouTube and stuff. That wasn't really for me. Um, but I just opened a shop. I spent my last penny opening a shop in the Merchant Hotel in Belfast. And um, we were... Basically, uh, lockdown and, and COVID uh, was becoming a real thing. And I remember when, um, when COVID was, was still in China and still in America and the UK, we were all, we weren't that scared. It wasn't coming here, of course. Mm. Uh, but uh, time, uh, time, uh, time showed that it did. Okay. And all of a sudden, uh, hospitality had to close. And my shop being in a hotel, I was the first one to close down. And I couldn't sell my watches so that meant that I didn't have an income and that meant I couldn't pay my staff. So we had to find an alternative way to promote the business because I closed my doors and not many people knew about my business. So I, uh, uh, with, a, with a team of very clever people, we started a YouTube channel and, uh, it kind of escalated from there. (laughs) Mm, Hundreds (laughs) of
2: millions of hits. I've seen it. I've been looking at it that you have and followers from all over the world as well. Isn't it funny in a way there's always a a silver lining to every cloud. You know what I'm talking about in those days for you. Yeah, and it's it's a wonderful, wonderful outcome. Now, come back to the watches. I was looking up the prestige brands and, you know, of course, always Rolex comes to mind. You mentioned it there. Omega's high in the list there as well, which I was surprised about. But there are other brands that I would never have seen before, like Patek Philippe, top of the the range, Bye. there Blancpain, uh, Ulysses, Nardin. You'd know them. You're familiar with them all as Bye. well. But is the Rolex the go-to?
3: Rolex is the biggest, right? Yeah. Rolex is the reason why we have the industry as it is today, right? Rolex is more often seen as an achievement rather than a timekeeping device, let's be honest, right? Yeah. Because it's it's like I have a Rolex or I've achieved something and to reward myself with that, I have bought a Rolex, right? If you ask 9 out of the 10 people on, on the street naming an expensive watch brand, yes. they'll sell Rolex. They say, they'll say they say Rolex. If you ask 9 out of the 10 people, name me a watch brand, they'll also say Rolex. Yes. And, and that's how powerful Rolex is. It's an absolute monster of a machine. Mm. Um, but it's not considered extreme. It's not considered high, high watchmaking in mm. any way, shape, or form. That's no. Patek Philippe, that's Vacheron Constantine, and the Piguet. Yes. That's what we call the Holy Trinity in watchmaking.
2: I love your pronunciations. I'll have to get you this end of the mic when I'm doing those (laughs) names again. Spot on. (laughs) Spot on with with the Bloss of Irish and Dutch in there mixed. It's a a perfect pronunciation, may I say. The other thing is about you, and I was reading a a bit about you this morning, and when you talk about prestige prestige watches, people look at them and they see them all, you know, adorned with these diamonds. Loads of diamonds don't necessarily mean huge value.
3: No, no. Diamonds actually devalue a watch unless it's uh, um, uh, unless it's it, it, it comes from uh, the the brand's factory, right? Mm-hmm. And and people people actually people actually don't know that, right? So say I buy a standard Rolex and I just put diamonds on there. Mm-hmm. I say standard Rolex costs ten thousand euros. It doesn't cost ten thousand euros, but to, just to yes. say ten thousand euros, you add diamonds to that watch, which will cost you an additional two two and a half thousand euros. So you're paying twelve and a half thousand euros for a watch, which effectively then will be worth about seven thousand euros. So people don't realise that, but you're basically um, you're basically destroying the value, and I think you're destroying the heritage of the mm. of the watchmaker of the, of the of the brand that actually produces that watch. Yes, well, you modify something that is there. You don't. You wouldn't modify a, a, a rampant. You wouldn't. Uh, <laughs> I mean, you keep that
2: the way it is. Yes. So you actually devalue the watch by making okay. modifications to it. So there's a little lesson exactly. for everybody listening today. Don't go down that road. Leave leave things as they are. There's no quicker way to lose money barred. You were here in the Celtic Tiger right. and you had property and you were wiped out as well. But anyway, come back to yeah. the watches. Investment-wise, are they good investments, Nico?
3: Um, they have proven time and time again that they have outperformed, the, and this is the last 15 years, that they've outperformed gold in every rate, every rate possible. Um, yes, so I would say they're very, very good, good performance. Average year to year, you're talking about between 7 and 12%, um, which, is, which is incredible. Mm. Um, and, and there's not many things in the world which you can actually enjoy where every single day, and not even lose a penny on, mm. right? And that's what I love about watches in general. I, I'm more a purist than anything else. So I always say buy a watch and invest it. Invest in a watch, invest in enjoyment of the watch. But I can't deny because of the fact that, that watches uh, increase in value, um, I have been able to, to, uh, to do a good bit of uh, or grow my business a, a good bit
2: yeah you know if you had it on and you'd be worried god i'm wearing a watch let's say take the 10 grand example but they're much higher i know that you are involved right. in um uh, you know the worry of maybe scratching the, the the face of the watch you know that concern when you have something really valuable on your wrist does that come into play for people do some people just put them away and and keep them safe and throw sugar at them it's
3: it's like uh, not not really not really with 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 watches that have been worn in the past, or vintage watches, right? But it does come uh, into play if you have a a extreme rare version of a Richard Mille, which there are only 10 of in the world. You want to keep that as as pristine as possible. But on the other hand, I just say it's a it's a watch, mate. A watch is meant to be worn a submanner, and um, submanner will su- survive yourself. The things that you could you you need to do to destroy a submanner or the damage a submanner. I mean, honestly, <laughs> it's, it's, you, you shouldn't be wor- worrying about that.
2: Yes, yes, I understand. Should, and they are to be should, worn and enjoyed, aren't they? That's the, exactly. the, whole, the whole thing exactly. about them. Do people arrive at your place with watches and say to you, Nico and, and your crew there, will you have a look at this for me?
3: Yes, yeah, 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 absolutely. Like, we buy watches every day. I bought an absolute cracker of a watch today, to be completely honest. I'm absolutely chuffed. Just- with that watch it's a it's a very rare particular and uh with the watch that was only produced for three years and um, I'm just very very happy. So yeah, someone uh, brought that in.
2: So this happens all the time. Remember, he's in Belfast. Yeah. He's Ireland's number one. And if you have something stored away or you think you have something, he'd love to talk to you. He's making that clear here with us on Late Lunch this uh, afternoon. Now, absolutely. You absolutely. mentioned today you've bought that beautiful full watch. How do you know when somebody comes in, do you find that they have an idea of what they have value-wise or are they depending on you and your honesty?
3: Um, yes, of course. I, I like... It's very simple. People that have Rolex, they usually know what they have, and they also know how much it's worth. It's a bit different when someone walks in with a vintage Rolex, because then we properly educate the person that walks in, right? We have books, we have auction results, we have the boss. Say Someone comes in with, a, and this happened uh, a good couple of years ago. Um, someone wanted five grand for a beaten up Rolex Submariner, and um, we were able to buy that at five grand. and someone else actually offered him seven and um, I had a last look at that watch uh, together with, um, with my team and we just looked at the watch and like, mate, this watch is worth 150k by bare minimum. And uh, he didn't expect that at all. Wow. <laughs> he <Wow>. actually, uh, <laughs> he, he was actually shocked and uh, unfortunately the gentleman is not with us anymore. Oh. Um, but uh, like, I, I mean, we've, we've been able to, to support his family with that watch at the time. It was a military issued Rolex of manner, which is recognizable by the le- by the letter T on the dial. But no one knew about that, and I mean that is that's just really cool to being able to do something like that. So, mm. but that's more vintage. But yes. mostly the Rolex, particularly people know what they have. But I know for a fact as well. There's a watch from a from a watchmaker in Isle of Man at the time, an Isle of Man resident called George Daniels. I know for a fact on the island of Ireland, there's two George Daniels left and I have been trying to chase and, and hunt them for the <laughs> last four years. To give you a mind give you an idea, that watch is worth at least 1.2, 1.4 mil. Wow, wow, for a timepiece. I, I know there's two of them left uh, somewhere on the island of Ireland. <gasps>
2: God almighty, maybe today it might ring a bell with somebody, who knows, you never know when it just right. rustles up something and you find out where one of those, you'd go after it what are you You're telling me? Yes, you'd go after it
3: but, Say that again, sorry You would be no, very no.
2: interested in going at, if you found out yes, where one yes. of those was you'd be in the market for oh, it yeah.
3: Oh yeah, I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm a buyer I'm a buyer the, <laughs> the, the, <laughs> the, like, the, key, the key is here properly informing uh, people and that is what I've been doing for 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 many years
2: i don't so, know whether uh, you can dance or sing but you've come a long way since selling those watches from the boot of the car <laughs>
3: exactly exactly it's <laughs> it's been a it's been an incredible road i'm not gonna lie yeah and uh you know what i have like i'm, I'm a foreigner right I'm, I'm a dutch guy and i have got so much support from 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 local businesses and from local people um for me when i started my business that is just that was special i have never experienced anything like that and and, and i'm just ridiculously grateful for that mm. like if i started my business in any any other country for sure i wouldn't have been where i, I wouldn't have been been where i am right now
2: ah. 100%. That's really lovely of you to say that. They're kind, really kind words right. indeed. And I know you mean them. They're heartfelt too. Um, come back to the watch. I don't know whether you heard Liberty. You've been quoting monies there, left, right, and center. It's getting bigger as we go <laughs> along in the conversation. What is right. the most expensive watch you have yeah. sold?
3: The most expensive watch I've ever been involved with yes. and, and, and sold was $7 U.S. million. And uh, that was, uh, that's my biggest achievement to date um and it's it's i can't really like i in in one of the podcasts and a few two years ago and i was a year actually a year ago i actually spoke about the model and the buyer at that moment <laughs> wasn't happy that i spoke about what it ex- exactly was but yeah i uh i uh i couldn't oh i can say it was very expensive and it was seven billion u.s but Wow, um <laughs> I, I can't tell you what it is because, No, that that's okay. Uh, the I, I buyer has asked me to mm. keep that quiet because yeah. it's a it's a very small world because there's there's not many people in the world that that spend that money on on that specific. Uh, on a, on a mm. specific watch like that,
2: mm. but it just shows you there there is a market, and there always is somebody, and there is that wealth there to make that purchase. Oh, yeah. I nearly I, I nearly Absolutely. fell off the chair here when you said seven million. I had to just steady myself for a moment there. <laughs> that is some ah. amount of money. It really is. And so, I, you know, in in a general sense, this this market, you are recognised as number one in this little on this little island of ours of Ireland. Um, uh, in, in terms of people, you know, you, I mentioned sports stars, I mentioned celebrities, I mentioned yeah. you know all those people who love to be seen with a lovely timepiece on, on their wrist. What about for the ordinary five and myself? What is that? Are people like into watches still in this modern era with everything on your phone?
3: Uh, let, let me let me just say this the way it is. I don't really care about Molly. I, I look at look at the watch. I look at what the watch says to you, to me, other than the time. And And for that, that approach is for me really, really important. There's no difference of someone buying a watch of say a thousand pounds or someone that buys a watch of a million pounds. Yes, of course, your margin is a bit different, but mm. I don't want a different approach. The customer doesn't deserve a different or uh, uh, the, the customer deserves the same treatment. Yes. And that is for me the key right and that's what I've always said I, 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 I champion that uh, every every single day, and I do that online. And, and this is why I always talk about the uh, the cheapest watch brand in the world. Casio, everyone knows, to be the best watch brand in the world because it, it made so many people watch collectors and it got so many um, um, watches on someone's wrist. That, yes. that That is the key and, and, and that's what is important great for me to, and not, not money. Yeah, great
2: no. great to hear that. Nico, uh, you're so interesting, I have to say. Thank you so much for joining me today. I wish you well for the future and you have a wonderful, Thank wonderful story. Thank you so story. much. Thank you for joining Thank me, Thank you so
3: much, mate. Take care. Have a lovely day.
2: You too. Bye-bye. Yeah. Nico Leonard-Vanderhorst. I'm delighted to welcome my next guest back to studio. She's a communications consultant, executive coach, author, and expert in her field. Orla Comedy has returned to a subject close to her heart and building on her previous book called Perform as a Leader. I have this one here and I've been right through it from cover to cover. It's called Speak Now, and it addresses so many changes in working patterns that have emerged in recent times. And I'm, I'm saying this already. It's a most welcome addition in addressing the challenges posed for employees and managers alike. Orla, you're so welcome back to the show.
0: Jerry, it's lovely to be here as always.
2: Great to have you with me. I want to ask you this for a start because it came to mind as I read through the book, and especially in the early stages. The pandemic, of course, you know, turned everything on its head and you write about it brilliantly, may I say, here. Did it accelerate this massive change that's happened or was it happening?
0: Yeah, I think it was happening already. We were seeing a big change in workplace and workplace environment and how people want to work in our patterns of work. And, you know, the really interesting thing is is that people have embraced what happened with the pandemic and they want to make it more permanent. So, for example, hybrid working in those kind of situations where you can work uh, hybridly, people just don't want to go back to full time because they realise they have better work life balance. They're no less productive. There's every amount of studies coming out that shows people are no less productive when they work at home. And in fact, they probably are more so. So I wanted to look my, as you said, my whole thing is communications and communications training. And I've been doing that for so many years. And I wanted to look at all the different things that people have to do in the workplace. They have to present, they have to negotiate, they have to do job interviews. You have to, you know, do 101 different ways, run meetings, all of these things you have to do. And I wanted to look at them, first of all, how we do those things online, because now we have to. And secondly, I wanted to revisit the book I wrote seven years ago, as you said, in terms of how we do those and how can we do them better. And, you know, just as I was coming into the studio here today, I had a, was reading an, an email out there in reception and I was giggling because it's a chap who runs a podcast all about books and you know wh- wh- how useful they might be for the workplace and he said I was laughing out loud or reading what you're saying about presenting because he said I've been making all those mistakes so I was really delighted because I tried to write it in a really accessible way and if he was laughing out loud that's my work done. <laughs>
2: <laughs> so it's not going to go back for people who can because we must say there are people who can't work remotely and have to be present in their jobs and have to be present there for every day but for those and it's a huge counter who who can and who can mix and match between office and at home, hubs as well close to home. It's never going back to where it was. So this this is the new world.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, obviously if you work in retail, you work in yes. hospitality, yes. you have to be there. But if you're office based and an awful mm. lot of what you're doing is online and is do, you done on a computer, that old thing of presenteeism was distrust. It was it was sort of saying, I don't trust that you're working unless I see you physically at the desk at nine o'clock and still there at five. And we have to move on from that. You know, I was co- I was coaching a bunch of people online yesterday from the UK and I had 10 faces on the screen, a lovely company and they're in education and I was asking each of the people, what is the thing you like most about this current job? And they all said, the purpose of this organisation. We are changing lives. We're doing something that matters. We're doing something in education that's helping children. And you hear that again and again, purpose, and that was coming anyway. You know, the workplace was changing because young people were saying, I don't want to go and work for a company that makes widgets just to get a paycheck on a Friday. I want to go and work for a company whose widgets are making a difference or who some in some way I feel aligned with. And, you know, young people are so into the environment and and sustainability and rightly so, and they're brilliant and I can learn so much from the younger generations on those things. But they want a company who demonstrates that that doesn't just say that they want to start that job and work with those people that they will feel, you know, we're all in this together. We're a team, we're making a difference. And if they work for that kind of a company where it makes a difference, nobody needs to check up on you. Are you doing your work? You're doing your work because you want to, because you enjoy it, because it's the right thing to do. And I think employers have to grow up and start trusting employees (laughs) that they're good people. And if they are purpose driven, you know what? They will deliver and their productivity will be amazing.
2: So out of sight, out of mind doesn't mean, you know, any compromise on the effort, on the commitment?
0: It may not. Obviously, there are some companies that will do this and they will try it and they will put some metrics in to mm. measure how what the output is so that they can confirm to people that, you know, this is actually happening. There's a company in Galway and they're a big recruitment company and they have specialised, call the Ice Group, and they have specialised in a four-day week and they started the four-day week ages ago and all their employees are on it. This was now prior to COVID mm. and they've been great advocates for the four-day week and they have all kinds of measurements around what the productivity is. And they will give the companies they work with great reassurance that, you know what, if you put the company, the, the employees on the four-day week, they may well as well, they may just deliver the exact same amount as they were going to do in the five-day week because they're happier, because they're more focused, because they know they can go to the dentist and the doctor and bring the kids to whatever on the Friday or the Monday or whatever they, they're off and they will get just as much done in the four-day week. But the, the lady who runs at Margaret Cox, she's an amazing lady and she, I remember her saying to me, but the thing is, sometimes the bigger companies particularly will want measurements because there's so many staff. A smaller company Will know what output is, regardless, yes. and they can be trusting because they know their their employees so well.
2: Now you and I are face to face here, aren't you? I was in this boat for how long with the pandemic, working from home for seven months in your garage or your shed own.
0: or wherever, <laughs> yes, whatever yes. you know. Then coming
2: back, here with very few guests. Uh, you know, you and I, and you're an example of us. I love that connection, that ki- connectivity with people. It goes without saying that you can't beat that. But look at the the reality is what we are talking about today. Does it take an awful lot more? And this is what this book does, folks. It'll tell you all what to do and what's needed. It does take quite a bit more to make it as effective in the online world?
0: Yeah, well, you know what? When I started presenting and I I moved a lot of my business online mm. during Covid because I'm coaching and, and training people and it actually pivoted very, very well online and it saves me lots of driving around the country, which is also saving the planet, which is wonderful. But I found at first a couple of things. I found it very draining delivering online because I think I was working so much harder for that connection. And I think I have I had to work harder to get people the far side to engage. I think when people started on the platforms like Zoom, they were kind of rabbit in the headlights, sitting there, not quite knowing what to say. And it was a bit clunky, people dropping in and out and whose turn it is to speak. And how good is the chair of the meeting? And I cover a lot about chairing yes. and it's about bringing somebody in thanking them for their contribution, getting the next person in, not missing people, watching those screens. And I I've found I've, you know myself, and I'm an expert in this, I found it quite hard at the start. But I really very quickly realised, and that's what I keep saying to people in all aspects of communications, the biggest and best tool in your toolbox is your wonderful, amazing, fantastic, brilliant personality. Let me see it, let me feel it, let me hear it, regardless of what the communication exercise is. And you win people over. So if you start online or indeed an in-person presentation very formally and today I'm going to tell you all about and we're also going to discuss and people have already zoned out are going to have to put the kettle on. (laughs) Whereas if you land in with a great old yarn or a story or you know it's the comedian trick of you know a funny thing happened to me on the way into the theatre tonight and we all get ready for a good yarn and we know it didn't happen on the way into the theatre tonight but the immediacy of that makes us sit up and listen. And I say you know as a communicator if you're the person presenting or running the meeting or conducting the negotiation, whether it's in person, online or in a room full of people, the communication is your responsibility. You own it. Like if you're sitting there listening to me, Jerry, and you're bored or you're not really following me, I can't say, oh, he doesn't get it. He, he just doesn't get me. I'm brilliant and he doesn't get. No, it's my fault. My responsibility is to grab you by the shirt collar metaphorically and make you listen to me. That's my job as a communicator. And so any communicator who stands up and goes, you know, straight into a brilliant story or a question or poses something of interest to us and we're all intrigued we're going, where is this going? What's the point of this? But we're sitting up and we're listening and that person has us. They have us in the palm of your hand and if you have your audience, then you can start doing things with them <laughs> or start giving them a point. And I always as well, I always say to people, you know, when you start speaking, give me the why before you start trying to give me the how. Mm. So give me the why you should listen to me or give me the why this is an important talk and it's really going to change your life or this widget that I'm trying to sell you. It's brilliant. It's really going to change your life. It's going to make a difference to you. It's going to save you time. It's going to save you money. It's going to... They're ticking your boxes. So you're listening. You're going, yeah, I want to save time. I want to save money. Okay, now give me the how. How's this going to work for me? But so many people do the how first. This is a great widget and it's yellow and it's tall and it's broad and it's wide. And you're going, yeah. And your point is, what's this got to do with me? Mm. So give me the why first and then I will listen to you and I will hear all the details of the features of this wonderful product you're trying to sell me, for example. So it's little things like that that I've honed over the years. And I've an awful lot of material come from a lot of different businesses. I've worked with charities. I've worked with politicians. I've worked right across the board and I've learned so much of it. And I really just wanted to share that information with people. And I think Speak Now is very much... I think when I brought out the other book a few years back, I kind of aimed it at people maybe further up the career ladder. Mm. And I realised I wanted to make this more accessible to maybe younger people, maybe starting out in their career. So I include a whole chapter on job hunting. So if there's any mums or dads listening and you have that young person who's recently qualified and is trying to get that job, I have a lot about how to do that interview, whether it's online or in person. And then, or even if they're in an existing job and they're hoping to climb the ladder within the company, I have a lot about how to present and how to run those meetings because you know the day you turn up for the interview within a company within an organisation you have to have the groundwork laid because they know you and they Mm. know what you're capable of. And the places you show up and shine in a current job um, are when you conduct that meeting, when you make that presentation, when you you know call the, the gang around the table for a huddle and to talk about the product or the new thing we're doing today. And those kind of things make you stand out if you do them well. And I always yes. say to young people, mid career level, mid management level, trying to go for that next role or next promotion, get a bit of support with this, learn how to do it, do it well, do it better, keep improving. And then you will stand out. And by the time you get to that interview to go to the next level, they already know you're a player. They already know you're a performer. Um, and, and that's really where I feel that this information can really yeah. help people at a lot of different stages in their It's career. a
2: great section, I have to say, if you're in the market, if you're looking to change job or on the hunt for a job. One thing that jumped at me from it, and I suppose it's something that just goes over your head and yet it's in your face, You say, tell your friends you're looking for a job. I think that's the most brilliant piece of advice. I I just said... Oh my God, I never thought of that. Orla Carmody's with me on late lunch. Her new book is called Speak Now, and we have a couple of copies to give away. This is my question for the book today to you. The CV is important. It still is. Orla's going to tell you in a moment when you're applying for the job. What do the initials CV stand for? For a copy of this book, what does CV stand for? 086 1800 658 by WhatsApp or text. Is it important to have a well you know, thought out and, you know, focus CV today still. Is that still very important?
0: Very important. And I go through that um, in the book. And it's very much about framing the information in a way that if you get to that subsequent interview, the question they ask you is already a positive one. So that's a real art form. So I, I, to summarise it very quickly, it's not listing off your duties and responsibilities. So I get the payroll out every Friday. That's what you're paid to do. That's your job. What are you telling me that for? Say I spotted that this payroll wasn't that efficient and I identified in you and we implemented it and now it's saving us so much time and money. Now you're going been getting to be called for interview because it's your achievements you should be listing. So if you're listing five previous jobs, List your key achievement in each one of those roles and then the interviewers start the questioning with, oh I see you actually improved your department spend on this or this, tell me all about that lovely positive question to start with rather than listing I'm responsible for marketing and sales and whatever and whatever and they could start the questioning from anywhere so you've kind of controlled where the question come from by being clever with your CV, by listing your achievements rather than your duties and responsibilities Do you know you also
2: say uh, in the book as well, three to four years on average is the time span now that somebody somebody's Spends in a role or a job.
0: I got that from Mark Markey who's a local recruitment yeah. consultant here in Drogheda and Mark was telling me that you know years ago if you were jumping around jobs you'd be considered flighty and they wouldn't <laughs> want to have so anything true. to do with you yes. and now there's something wrong with you if you stay too long in a job because it's it's a it's a hirer's market at the mo- or at least it's a job hunter's market at the moment yes. there's a lot of jobs out there I mean I know the tech thing is closing down a bit and there's a bit of talk about recession on the way but at the moment it's a really good strong hiring market and the sense that if you're in a good job that you currently are in and um, the churn at the moment is great. There's a lot of people being headhunted moved on to other roles and it's a very active space, the recruiters will tell you. It's very, very active at the moment. There's a lot of people moving because they're, they're getting better conditions or back to the work-life balance thing we were talking about. They're getting more hybrid role or they're getting more flexibility or they're getting more autonomy in how they work and when they work. One of the ladies on the call I was on yesterday was telling me that she's small kids so she works from nine to three, takes a few hours off, goes to do ballet swimming with her kids whatever they're doing puts the kids to bed and goes back online again at about 8 o'clock and does 8 to 10 every evening and that's her work pattern her employer is happy out with it. it it works well for her so there's a lot of movement at the moment in jobs when people are looking for something a little bit more suiting their life and everybody wants a job that suits their life because we now know work-life balance is everything and it's so important so yeah that CV is terribly important and then I do a whole section on it when you are called to interview but in between writing the CV and getting the call to interview is what you do with your CV and too many young people I would suggest are very online focused and it's all these job aggregators like Indeed those big job aggregators and they hunt there for jobs they forget completely about how brilliant we are at networking in Ireland. And we're a village here. We all know everybody. So tell all your friends that you are looking for a job. Give them your CV and ask them, will they drop them into the HR department in their company? A lot of companies now, because of all this movement, will actually incentivize the staff to find new mm. people. So if you're working for this company and you find your cousin or your friend who's looking for a job, and if that person actually gets hired, get a little bonus, a few hundred euro in your paycheck because you've found this person. That's actively happening now. So the way you access that is by giving your CV to all your friends and say drop that into your HR please with a note. By going online and finding all your former classmates, everybody you were at school with, everybody you were at college with, everybody is easy found nowadays LinkedIn. on social media. LinkedIn is a godsend for anybody job hunting. Find everybody, see where they're working, send them your details and say will you please hand this into HR. That is a, a short shortcut way of getting past the algorithm or the bot that scans a lot of the CVs that go into those job aggregator sites. And if you don't very specifically have the, the you know qualifications and experience they're looking for, they won't call you for interview. Whereas very often you will see when your friend puts that CV into the HR company, they say this person doesn't quite have the qualifications we're looking for. But you know what? I like the cut of them. I like the sound of them. I'll give them a shot. And you get the phone call and they call you into interview. And up to you at that point. But I, I there's just there's more clever ways of getting your CV out there than just blindly following those online jobs is what I would suggest.
2: That is priceless advice you're getting today on Late Lunch, I have to say. You cover areas as well like presenting and public speaking. Pitching, I think of The Apprentice at started back. I love it. I'm a big yes. fan of Alan Sugar and, and when you see them when they come to the latter stages and these supposedly clever, intelligent young people and you cringe when you look at the pitch and one thing I have to admit here, put my hand up to you to say negotiating Or I'm useless I focused on that section I <laughs> did really I did I well,
0: did Well negotiating is one of those skills we sometimes forget about and, and you have to think that every single thing is negotiable and we've been doing it since we were knee high to a jam pot you know when your mom said go to bed at 9 o'clock you said oh please half 9 half 9 you negotiated <laughs> when you went for your first mortgage and you were looking to get that mortgage what did you do you negotiated with mm. the bank you said I'm going to be a good solidary payer, I'm going to do this I have my savings in the credit union. We negotiate. We're very good at it. But sometimes we don't translate all that experience into the live situation. So when you're in that job again, say, for example, and you're negotiating the pay rise, you forget that everything is negotiable, not only the amount of money, but the amount of holidays or the time off or the hours you work. Or will they pay for your college study or will they pay for your VHI? Everything is negotiable. Don't forget to ask for all those other things when you're negotiating your package or indeed having the confidence. And I have a section on coaching and coaching conversations and self-coaching is a big thing. Sometimes you have to coach yourself to do what you want. Lovely young person I was working with and he said, oh, not sure they like me in this job. and not sure how well I'm doing. He was about a year and a half in it and I really need a pay rise. And. You know, what will I do? And I was working with him on having the confidence to say he's a br- he's brilliant people skills, great personality. So you th- you're probably doing a lot better there in that job than you actually think. Yes, now, psych yourself up, change that mindset that they don't like you, I don't know where you're getting that from. That's something your own head is making up and go into the job. He went back in. He put his best foot forward. They not only gave him the pay rouse, they paid for his college course. They told him he was wonderful. They gave him another bonus. They said the clients love him. And I thought, wow, he just needed to change his mindset to go in and do that and negotiate everything.
2: Get this spook, folks. And you can win a copy at Late Lunch today. What does CV stand for? That's the simple question. CV, what does it mean? 086 1800 658. The new job will open up. You'll have a... Uh, great 2023 and beyond. New opportunities will arise because it's all between the covers of Orla comedy's new book called Speak Now. Where is it available?
0: It's available on all the usual online places. Ch- chase it on Amazon, Waterstones, go into your local bookstore and they'll order it for you. If it's not actually in the, physically in the shop, they'll order it.
2: It's a great job. I have to say, so timely, so needed and building on the last one as well. Congratulations Thanks to you. Thank you so much, Jerry. I absolutely loved it. Speak Now by Orla Carmody. Thank you so much for joining me Pleasure today.
0: Pleasure as always. Thanks, Jerry.
2: Take care. How are your New Year resolutions going? Are you sticking to them? What date are we on today? The 11th, is it? 11 days in. Are you still with them? Are you holding on? Are you committed to them? I didn't know this until my next guest pointed it out to me that the second Friday in January, that's this Friday, Friday the 13th, is known as Quitter's Day. Dr. Kate McCann is back with us on the show. Afternoon, Kate, and Happy New Year.
1: Hi, Jerry. Happy New Year.
2: Quitter's Friday, yes?
1: Yes. So in the few studies that have been done on New Year's resolutions, they found that one of the Days where a huge percentage of people drop off their New Year's resolutions is the second Friday in January. Um, but it should be pointed out that you know a lot of people don't stick with the New Year's resolutions, and if these studies they follow people all the way through, and are only around nine percent get to December having seen it through the whole year.
2: OK, so let's go through some of the areas that you have highlighted and that you have advice for today. And people, I'm sure, listening to us will be in this situation as we address each of them in turn. The first one, just simply, you make a resolution to make a change in your in your life. But at the end of the day, it's only words. You're not ready to make it. What's the solution to that? What should you have not done or what should you do now?
1: Yeah, see there's a lot of pressure on people and this is one of the reasons I'm actually not a fan of new year's resolutions. I mean, I know it's like literally what I do for a living is trying to get ma- is trying to help people make healthy changes, but new year's resolutions a lot of people feel pressured by the culture or the date to just jump into something they're not ready to do. Um and so part of it's an element of self-care if you're feeling pressured and it's making you miserable just maybe just give yourself permission to stop rather than, than than label this as quitting or label this as failing just label this as this isn't right for me now but maybe make a positive thing of, of, of choose a date come back and reconsider it or or reframe it or, or just change it to something that's you're more ready to do
2: so you're really saying that you must have your mind made up you got to commit to this in the mind you got the mindset must be focused on this it's not merely a statement
1: yeah, I mean, it's it's one of those things is you have to be ready to do it. And there's and if you're just in a place mentally, financially, just under any sort of other pressures, you're like, look, this is not something I'm ready to do, then give yourself the permission to say, okay, not today. And if, you know, it's it's fair to to kind of set a date in your mind saying, okay, I'm going to revisit this, you know, in 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 8 weeks, in in 4 months, you know, it that's fair.
2: Mm. Vague resolutions are all the rage Somebody says I'm giving up chocolate But the next thing you see them eating chocolate sweets And then they, they say well I said I've given up chocolate That means chocolate bars You know what I'm talking about Kate
1: Yeah so Vague ones yeah. Yes. Yeah it's really hard to do Vague ones because The reality is is that our brains Are reward focused We mm. love that's why we're addicted to Social media we love the clicks and the likes and we are we we always look at all these apps. They give us points and coins. We're reward centered in our brain. And when we have a vague resolution, we're not getting that feedback, that small measurable success. That wow, I achieved that. So by setting a goal that you can achieve, yes. you're kind of you're you're doing better. So my my example that I usually like say is people always say I'm going to get healthy. That is so vague. How do you know if you're getting healthier? Um, or I want to get fit. Well, how do you know if you're getting fitter? Setting something more measurable, such as I'm going to join the local Couch to 5K program. Well, that's measurable. You know you're going to join that program. And at the end of the program, if you complete it, you have done a 5K. That's measurable. That's something you're going to feel um, that you've gotten feedback. You've, you've succeeded at it. And that measurable goal is going to keep you going.
2: And then at the other end of the spectrum, you know, uh, the severe commitment or resolution you make, for example, well, some people mightn't say it's severe. I'm giving up all drink, just cold turkey from the 1st of January. I'm perhaps going to go vegan. I'm just going to turn over completely on January the 1st. They're very tough, aren't they?
1: They can be. Now, there's loads of people out there who do not drink alcohol at all. They don't miss it in their life. Mm. And that's that's incredibly healthy. There are many, many people who are vegan. I'm, I myself, I'm, I'm a plant predominant doctor. I'm a plant-based doctor. Um, it it makes, makes me and my family very happy and we're healthy on it. But if you are making this change drastically and it's making you miserable, then it just might be too much for you. So going ahead and refining that a little bit, saying, I'm going to go meatless, um you know two meats two nights a week as a as a change, for yes. example, or um reducing down to the to the government's low risk drinking levels as opposed to or making so that would mean that at least three nights a week you're alcohol free, for example, which we would say was really good for your health, you know, making those kind of changes might be more a- achievable for you.
2: Now, cost is a thing as well, and uh, you've been writing about this, you know, that people resolve, say, let's talk about the healthy thing just as an example. Uh, and, you know, to become healthy, probably most people will, will join a gym and it costs to join a gym, uh, you know, buy healthier foods, which in general can cost a little bit more, even though people will probably argue with me on that one. is is, is You know, do you have to factor those considerations in and should you before you commit to something like that?
1: Yes. And I think this is something that I talk about year round is wellness doesn't come from a store. It's worth noting that the wellness industry is worth billions globally. Um, so you don't need to spend a lot of money to get healthier. Um, so make sure that whatever choices you make are something you can afford. I, I do recommend that patients um, who are going to make huge outlays and things like supplements and Um, And vitamins and things like that probably touch base with um, either a doctor, uh, a registered pharmacist, or a registered dietitian first. Because a lot of the stuff you just don't need. Um, You don't need a detox. um, You don't need an IV vitamin drip. A lot of the stuff you don't need, the stuff you do need, can be costly. And that is, unfortunately, healthy food is sadly more expensive than Mm. uh, Mm. unhealthy food in certain respects. Um, but it is, it is sad that uh, many processed foods, highly processed foods, highly salted foods, um, they do sometimes end up being cheaper than healthy foods. So that that is a challenge.
2: Yeah. So affordability is a thing you must uh, keep in mind. And um, look, people often make commitments to things they simply can't do. They're unattainable. There's no point in going there, is there. That's not going to happen.
1: Yeah, sometimes we we just look at something and we say this is this is what I'm going to do, and it, it just isn't something you can do. I think in that case, it's worth uh, rather than scrapping the whole thing. If you really really want to to do something, then then to just reframe it into something more achievable, um, and then for certain things, you it might. be... B, that you need to get help and i think that's something really really important especially we have to be the reason you know i'm a doctor and we're talking about this is that the vast majority of new year's resolutions are centered around health whether that's losing weight or getting fit or changing diets um, creating smoking um, reducing alcohol intake the vast majority of New Year's resolutions are around getting healthy so getting qualified health care allied health care such as a dietitian physiotherapist getting someone involved in your care is more likely for you to succeed
2: so get the help necessary we're talking there in particular about say people giving up smoking substance cravings things like that you're talking about in in that example
1: absolutely i think um a lot of people pick the first of january to give up the substances which is fantastic Um, however you know addiction is physical and it's mental and We know that patients do need more than just willpower, no matter how hard they're trying. So if you're struggling, um, definitely, um, definitely touch base. Um, Your pharmacist can be a great resource and your GP is also a great place to start.
2: What happens, you know, if you're going fair good guns at the moment, we're on the 11th of the month now and you're doing well, but you're absolutely shattered, worn out, exhausted. What's your advice there?
1: You're probably doing too much, too fast. Okay. Give yourself the grace and maybe, um, break this huge goal up into something small and short term. Um, you know, just say, instead of saying, you know, just break this goal up into something small and short term and just say, all I'm going to do is this much of the goal and I'm going to get it done over the next two weeks, just small and short term and build on each little success.
2: And if you fall off the wagon, there's no harm in that either. Like if you miss a day or you don't feel up to it tomorrow and you take a break, people beat themselves up about that, Kate, and they nearly abandon it. There's no need, is there, to do that?
1: No, and it's actually a really common um, thing our brain does to us. It's a a thought trap. It's it's all or nothing. And um, and our brains tend to do that to us. And and it's really, it can really be difficult for people who are making changes for any reason uh, it's basically like you have great intentions something goes wrong you you're giving up something and now you now you've eaten it or you know you, you were gonna exercise every day now you've missed a day. What we have to do is avoid the all or nothing of once I've made a mistake it doesn't matter it's all gone I should just give up is to just kind of just say look that's fine uh, just pick yourself up and keep going and, and believe it or not that mentally is really 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 hard.
2: Mm, It is and and it's a a thing I've come across over the years as well with people and you try to encourage them, you know, not to be too downbeat and throw in the towel and uh, give themselves a a little space as well. You know, you mentioned it a moment ago, a lot of the new year is about shedding weight, of course. Uh, That's that's Mm. a, a big one. And of course, then tied in with that is eating more healthily. And you know what our lifestyles at times you know, like the the needle on the, the dial is not going down. We decide Oh, we, we're just so busy at work. We don't get a chance to prepare that meal that's healthier. That what do you say to people who've come across those impediments to continuing the commitment they've made at the start of the year?
1: Yeah. So there's two big things in there, Jerry. So one is that, and um, I think with, with healthy eating, no matter what your goal is there, whether it's, you know, you're just going to change what you're eating, whether it's part of losing weight and, um, if you're to eat more healthily, you're going to have to do meal prepping and meal planning. And honestly, when I work with patients you know, like all year round, um, one of the first steps we do is I say, look, we're actually not going to change anything you're eating. All I want you to do for the next couple of weeks is work on planning it, prepping it, getting a good routine that you know what you're going to be eating um, regularly. The foods in the house, you have a plan, we have a schedule, because that is usually the 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 downfall for everybody is that it's hard to stick to your plan when you're you're running late home from work, you've got to get dinner on the table. You're just gonna grab whatever you can grab, you're gonna look whatever's in the cupboard. The meal planning and prepping is huge. And when it comes to, to weight loss, I think it's absolutely massive. This is another multi billion euro industry globally is that um, and you know this is something I talk about a lot, obesity is a disease. Um, And that community slimming programs are great for people just wanting to lose a little Christmas weight. If you have clinical obesity, it's impacting your health. It is a disease. And, you know, you might need qualified health care rather than just a community slimming program help you.
2: Yes, they are there. Check them out and they're very valuable and they won't cost you the world and you're with a community of people as well. Last thing before we finished up, your mobile phone is driving you mad. You're addicted to the bloody thing, which I'm getting to be more and more. What do I do? Throw it in the bin. Yeah,
1: so literally this is it. I have patients um, who are are going mad from their Fitbits um or the new healthy app and i i was on i think i was actually talking about this myself yesterday i <laughs> joined an app for a community challenge i downloaded this app i wanted to do this community challenge to raise uh raise funds for my son's ga club and within in hours this this app was going mad with the notifications asking me to log my food and counting my steps i was going absolutely out of my mind. i was able to dis- disable a load of the notifications not all of them but a load of them um, and I'm going to get rid of this app in 30 days <laughs> when the challenge is over. But honestly, if these notifications are driving you crazy, turn it off.
2: It's as so uh, simple as that.
1: turn it off. Yes. Because it really is. I mean, do you not, if you had a good night's sleep and your app is telling you you didn't, turn off the
2: app. <laughs> There's the best piece of advice to finish off today Dr Kate McCann we wish everybody well as we move on through the month of January take on board what Kate has to say and it will be a little more manageable and enjoyable until the next time Dr Kate McCann thank you so much for joining me on the show Thanks so much Sherry Bye bye that's Kate McCann there mdoc.ie that's e-m-d-o-c dot i-e check her out Louise, there will be uproar at the Wednesday club this evening. They'll uproar. be
5: counting their, their pennies, will they? Oh
2: this crowd count the pennies that I <laughs> go for pints well you, you won't be bought a
5: pint tonight anyway you wouldn't
2: believe it honest to God they're misers altogether. they'll be <laughs> counting out the little in the name of God Would I'd you laugh you're sitting on them. your own tonight <laughs> some of them some of them could buy the bloody pubs we drink in and they count out the pennies they'll be uproared. the pint the pint of Guinness is going up 10 cent oh this could be breaking point for the Wednesday <laughs> Club it really could the quorum could go way down after what this what is
5: a pint of Guinness well it depends uh, as, it, as it is. It depends
2: where you drink, you yeah. know what I mean? We, Roughly on average. I think it's four sixty at the minute in our okay. local, right? 460. Uh that's I think it, 460. which is cheap, which is very cheap at the price. They'll be going mad. But they say the average price is five thirty. Across the country, it'll go to oh, five thirty. Right. Yeah, it'll go above five thirty. All right, uh, it's gone up by twelve cent. Sorry, I beg your pardon. It's twelve cent. What's oh, even worse? Did I say ten? It's twelve. Oh, there's be ructions over that Tuppence. and twelve cent on the on the pint of Guinness from the first of February. So that's
5: twelve cent by the by Guinness. Yes, Diageo is it? Diageo. And will then the pub owner put a fairly little price on them Possibly. as well.
2: Possibly. And remember, Heineken and that group, which are a different stable to Diageo, have put theirs up already. Mm-hmm. So I've been paying more already <laughs> myself. Mm-hmm. The cheapskates have been getting the cheaper Guinness all along. But it's up 12 cent now to an average of 5.30. There'll be big debate about this tonight. Is that
5: just the draft or is that off licence as Point
2: well? Pint in the pub draft, they're saying there. Uh, and... The price of the stamp is up Ooh. ten. The stamp is up ten cent to one thirty-five. The point a Guinness up twelve cent to five thirty. The average. A of
0: Guinness, honey.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Jesus, what a waste! What would you do that for? Not <laughs> at all. What about this price of stamps going up? What do you think?
5: I think that's the end of Christmas cards. Do you? Mm. Really? Yeah. Whatever about birthday cards or letters that you have to spend, mm. I have to send. But um, no, I think Christmas cards. Like if you think about it, that's what is it? One thirty-five.
2: One thirty-five. So. Account.
5: Yeah, that's, you know, if you send 10 13, 50. cards if, and chances are a lot of people would have in the past sent 20.
2: Yeah, well, we got loads of cards this year and Miriam sent loads of cards. She always does.
5: Yeah, and a lot of people that send are of a generation yes. where maybe they use they're only on a pension. That's a huge chunk of their pension mm,
2: mm. We'll, we'll we'll watch the space with interest but there you are I wonder does it put anybody off sending cards oh, or using the it used post used to be
5: 20 20 cent Will it put boys off drinking pints
2: of Guinness no, or girls either No Indeed and it won't You'll spend your 12 cent Louise Walsh on your yeah. pint of Guinness but you won't lick a stamp <laughs> You won't lick a stamp for 10 cent extra What do you like? No There you are now you know where Louise. Stamps are out.
5: Yeah. <laughs> pints are in. <laughs> Unless there were vouchers for pints.
2: <laughs> anyway, that's the, the story. Everything's going up except wages. Wages, well, there's increases and people are lucky enough to get some increases. Well done to you. But there you go. That's the latest in little old Ireland. <laughs> Orla Comedy with us earlier on in the show, her new book, Speak Now. I recommend it highly if you're in work looking for a new job out there in the jobs market. If you have to speak to a a gathering, put together a presentation, it's all covered in this new book, Incorporating the New World of Work That We uh, Operate In. The winners of the book today have two copies to give away. The question was, what does CV stand for? And there's great tips about producing one in Orla's book as well. Uh, CV is Curriculum Vitae, and I'm sending out a copy of the book to Kerry Martin and Edel Manning. Well done to both of you. Books on the way in The Post this very evening. Time now for this on Your Late Lunch. Five, four, three, two, one. Counting down the top five songs from this week of yesteryear. And today it's... 2003, Today and All This Week. This very week in 2003, we had the number five on Monday, which is One True Voice, Sacred Trust. Four was yesterday, Daniel Bedingfield and If You're Not The One. And today's song was a real, real biggie. It's the soundtrack from the 2002 movie, Eight Mile. You probably have it now at this stage. It won the Academy Award for the Best Original Song. And it's was the first rap song to win that award and it also won the grammy for best rap song too and in more recent times joe biden president joe biden asked permission to use the song in his presidential campaign a couple of years ago and was given permission uh, by eminem yes it's by eminem it's called lose yourself it was a huge number one in the usa in 2003 2002 2003 and also reached number one in the uk but this particular week in 2003 second week of january it had fallen down the charts to be at number three here it is our five four three two one count on number three song today it's eminem and lose yourself look if you had one shot or one opportunity sees everything you ever wanted one moment Did you capture? I'd say that's one of the first ever rap songs played on late lunch <laughs> they've been as rare as chicken's teeth over the years yes that's the number three on the UK charts from this week back in 2003 20 years ago Eminem would Lose Yourself I'd say we lost a lot of people there (laughs) with that one no we didn't no we didn't loyal late lunch listeners are with us still for sure anyway just reminding you that the kitchen of course is at the heart of the home and don't forget all this week Cash and Carry Kitchens, they have beautiful new showrooms at Beachmount Home Park in Navin. We were there yesterday uh, with the show. Give them a shout. They want to help you with your kitchen needs this year. And remember, they have a big discount for the first 23 kitchens ordered this year in 2023. And you can check them out online too, cashandcarrykitchens.ie. We have a €100, Euro one for all, to give away today, tomorrow and Friday. What do you have to do? Tell us who you'd invite to your home when you put in your new Cash and carry kitchen into your house. Who would you invite for dinner? Anybody in the world. What would you cook for them and why? 086 1800 658 by WhatsApp or text. And after our final break this Wednesday afternoon, if you've entered, stand by your phone. We'll be making that call. We're talking about the 12 cent increase on the point of Guinness earlier on. Albert was in touch to say it may be more, Jerry, when the public in factors in a rise too. It could be up to 30 cents. It's ringing, it's ringing. Let's hope we get an answer. Be optimistic. Hello? Monica? Yes? Do you know who this is? I do indeed, yeah. Hi, how are you? <laughs> Very good, Monica. Monica Skelton, where are you this afternoon? Where are you living? I'm um, between Avon and Kells. Ah, oh, good woman yourself. You sent us in a wee message over the last few days about who oh, you'd Oh, I did, invite. Yeah, yeah.
4: I want to look at like a few people I could, would have picked, but who I you? just had to do it real quick because...
2: Uh, <laughs> <laughs> who did you go with? Who did I go with? Oh, I went with Michael D. Ah, the President of Ireland, Michael D. Higgins. You'd have for I dinner, wouldn't. and Monica, what would you cook for him?
4: What would I cook for? Oh gosh, I've forgotten now. What? Oh, uh, I start off, I think, with uh, um, with um, goat cheese tartlet.
2: Monica, that's very, very snazzy. I'd say the president would absolutely love that. I'd say so. OK, what, that's the starter. What's his main course? OK, roast
4: lamb <gasps> with the, um, a mixture of uh, maybe broccoli and uh, carrot or uh, mm. parsnips. Gravy, Monica? Oh, it would be from the sediment of the, the lamb. Oh, I lovely. would make it. Oh, yeah.
2: lovely, Monica! Yeah, have us absolutely salivating here, doing it the the, the right way. Then for dessert or dessert? oh, dessert it would be um
4: would be a homemade trifle, maybe with cherry and uh, some from custard and fresh cream,
2: Monica. And then there's a little tipple you mentioned in there as oh, well. Oh, yeah, that's
4: the homemade. Um, that's the homemade uh, elderflower wine. Yeah. <sighs>
2: You are a woman who knows what cooking is all about. I take it from that menu. Do you love cooking yourself? Oh, I'm not really a great
4: cook. No, that's just uh, my sister's the one that's better at than I. I'm afraid.
2: So is that meal in your imagination for Michael D, or would you actually could you actually produce that yourself, or would you need your sister to help you? Oh, no, I could, I'd
4: say. Yeah, oh, yes.
2: I guess some more to it, sir. but anyway. Yeah, Sherry Trifle. God, I love Sherry Trifle. You don't see it that much nowadays. I used to get an awful slagging for loving Sherry Trifle myself. But I'd say that is a meal fit for a president, Monica. Do you think? Oh, yeah. Oh, listen, come off it. The goat oh, well, cheese. I'd
4: have to listen to all his lovely stories, you see, and that yes. would that would that would keep him there for a while you know oh
2: it would and and you know he'd have plenty of tales to tell you know yourself with Michael D he's never short a word absolutely so, Michael D. Higgins is your dream date for dinner time in your house in your new kitchen, and you'd serve him up that absolutely presidential meal, may I say? Well, look at today on Late Lunch. Thanks to catch and, uh, Cash and uh, Cash, uh, will you say that right? Cash and Carry Kitchens have given us a one hundred euro one for all voucher to give to you today to spend wherever you wish. They'll be in touch. Uh, go and enjoy it, and thank you so much for uh, joining in the fun and sending us in your dinner date, Michael D. Higgins heading to Navin
4: OK, thank you, that's great See you, Monica OK, bye-bye bye you bye.
2: Bye-bye That's Monica Skelton there our winner today There's lots of time this week we have uh, another couple of €100, Euro one for all vouchers from Cash and Carry Kitchens to give away tomorrow and Friday So be thinking about your dinner day and if you're in already Monica, I think was in Monday there we'll pick from all we have we've loads of entries already but if you want to get in it's still not too late let us know tomorrow and Late Lunch On the usual numbers Now coming up on the show On Thursday afternoon We have a very interesting guy joining us uh, Because he's going to talk to us uh, Tomorrow about breaking a habit You know the way you have a habit And you'd like to break the habit It's not that easy to be honest with you But we have an expert with us tomorrow Who will take us through uh, The means and ways of breaking a habit And a habit that you'd like to get rid of If you have a habit that you'd like to kick Be with us in late lunch tomorrow We're going to help you ditch it for sure and more besides coming up on the show we'll go back to our top five countdown from 2003 and we have lots of other chat guests and music to come your way and that competition too coming up next here on LMFM Radio this Wednesday afternoon it's Eddie Caffrey with The Drive we'll be back at 1.30 tomorrow and we leave you today with the brilliant Lewis Capaldi and forget me don't forget us be back here tomorrow Thursday 1.30 it's a date